All right, y'all, what is going on? This is your man, L. Jamal, coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place we can say what you want as long as you got the facts. Uh, it is a big cramp today, a lot of sports stuff over the weekend I wanted to get into, ranging from college football to the NFL, all the way into some welterweight championship boxing. And uh, so let's just go ahead and get into it. Let's start off with some college football. Uh, I wanted to get through some news real quick, and then there was a couple couple scores from the top 25 I really want to dig into. We don't got to get into everything. Uh, we pretty much are at a place, at least I feel like I'm at a place, where I pretty much know how everything's pretty much going to go, particularly with, with what has happened this weekend. We are getting near the end of the regular season, so let's just go ahead and get into the news. Now, Matt Coral, you uh, sorry, Ole Miss quarterback has decided to enter the, uh, sorry, the next coming, the upcoming NFL draft, and again, therefore, making this his last go round at his uh, at his school. Now, Friday night, he will go and tweet this and claim that Vanderbilt will be his last home game. Of course, he has to finish the regular season out. I think they will be on the road in Mississippi State. That should be their rivalry game, and uh, that should wrap up the regular season, and then. You know, of course, they have the ball game. He is the third highest rated quarterback prospect, according to uh, NFL draft expert via ESPN, Todd Mache. He's also the 26th overall prospect in this uh, upcoming draft. Now, he would, well, he has dealt with an ankle injury throughout the season, but has actually competed over 60% of his passes, 66% of his passes to be exact, and has scored 27 total touchdowns, 17, 17 through the air, excuse me, and 10 on the ground. 15th in the nation now last saturday he had a really decent game as well 27 to 36 326 yards two touchdowns and an interception in that w 31 to 17 versus uh bandy so all these games now are pretty much you know it's a highlight tape for him you know teams are gathering up film he seems to you know meet the criteria of a first round pick in terms of his demeanor in terms of his temperament he doesn't have any glaring issues or stories surrounding him just yet uh he's uh, at least a two-year starter there at Ole Miss a uh, pretty good job of improving that's what NFL scouts are looking for for those top uh those top coveted positions particularly in the higher rounds and of course you know higher levels and you know even the first round, you know, if they're looking at a top 15 pick, which he could be depending on, you know, where the quarterbacks go, you know, they're going to want to look for certain things. And I think his number wise, I think pretty decent, 66% of his passes. I like completion percentage. Uh, I think yards can come, you know, yards are one thing and touchdowns, of course, are important too. I like completion percentage and touchdowns, at least passing touchdowns. And he seemed to, you know, hit the mark in my book in terms of that. Um, you know he will have he will throw his interception. I don't like uh, that interception he threw last week versus Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt is a little well. Let's be honest here; they're not that great uh, at any side of the ball, any side of the ball. So I'd have to look at that game film to kind of see what happened there, what led to that. Uh, but for the most part, I think he's a solid. Uh, they're saying third quarterback. It just depends on how serious they are about quarterback, but he still should be a first rounder. They are saying 26 overall, but there is a possibility he could slip into the second round and come at some sort of value, uh, particularly for a team that isn't exactly too sure what to do at quarterback yet. And I have heard him link to one team, particularly that being the Raiders, 
who kind of filled fit that mold. So, and speaking of which, we'll be talking about the Raiders, the Raiders, in just a little bit, um, man. So, uh, let's uh, move on from that. Uh, another story we have here is coming from Austin, Texas. Of course, the Longhorns have had a terrible season. Uh, this being the first season with head coach Steve Sarkeesian under, uh, you know, as the man there, and it just hasn't. It just hasn't come around just yet. Now, last weekend they were losing on the road, thirty-one to twenty-three at West Virginia, and this was the for the first time since twenty sixteen they will qualify, will not qualify for a ball game. But for a team like Texas to have not qualified for a ball game even five years ago is a bad thing, you know, because Texas, you know, they have these high expectations, and a lot of these teams uh, do. We'll talk about another team in just a second. Uh, like Florida, who has those same kind of super high expectations, although in reality, just certain things have not, certain criteria haven't even been met on their end. And we'll talk about uh, both, uh, you know, more about both these teams. But uh, for Texas, they are currently 4-7 and seven for the first time since 1956. And have suffered, no, sorry, they were currently 4-7. And, and for the first time since 1956, have lost six games in a row. Uh, with a loss last week, uh, the team has the first, sorry, the worst winning percentage since the 1956 season when they went 1-9 overall. Now, outside of the lack of success on the field, a former and current, a former player and current CBS analyst, I believe his name uh, was Daniel Jones, but don't quote me there, either Daniel or Brian Jones, former linebacker for the squad. He's accusing, this, uh, accusing many boosters, uh, which are basically alumni who, you know, flood the team with money, for those who don't know, uh, may not know college football terminology. But anyways, he is saying that these boosters are pressuring the head coach to start players based on race. Now, of course, you're going to have people within that camp saying, no, that's not true. But again, where there's smoke, potentially there is fire. So I don't know what to make of that necessarily. But it's not a good look. And, of course, it's going to come out while they're looking the worst as, you know, as a program that they could be. Now, <clears throat> for Texas, I think expectations, just like with, I'll get to Florida in just a second, and the reason why I kind of feel this way. And I understand how they feel about their program historically. I understand what they've seen with Colt McCoy and some of their last flashes. But I think this is a team and a program that, for the time being, maybe needs to kind of taper expectations. You need to consistently beat Oklahoma. You should consistently be beating teams in Texas. You shouldn't be losing to teams like Kansas, right? Uh, this is the same, t the same team that would put up 70 on Texas Tech, which is fine, but look at Texas Tech's situation. So you're supposed to beat, they're supposed to beat Texas Tech. If, if, we're, if we're being honest, UT should be consistently beating, uh, Texas Tech should be consistently beating people uh, with teams like Kansas, Kansas State, and it's become a struggle. So that needs to change. So before we even talk about national championship, before we even talk about how great you are, that's why when they wanted to jump to the SEC, I was, I was a little bit hesitant to even give a pass to Oklahoma because what really has Oklahoma done? But Texas, that would be absurd, adding a Texas to the SEC. And again, I feel justified with that. It would be absurd to add Texas to the SEC. I don't know what the I mean, I guess the SEC just wants more marquee brands and all that. Great. 
let's inundate your conference with that and let's saturate your conference <clears throat> now don't be mad if you know just so happens these one of these teams get good and that's one extra team that Alabama has to worry about there you go there goes your main cash cow so don't be mad when your cash cow goes because that's pretty much let's be real here consistently that's all the SEC has you have you we'll get to the SEC more in just a second but consistently consistently Alabama is the go-to team and then you have uh Georgia but we have not really seen Georgia again I'm, I'm digressing let's get back to the big 12 here Texas has issues with recruiting within their own state. They've been out recruited for many years for just their three three star recruits, excuse me, by schools like Oregon and the smaller campuses like Boise. This is real. Now, of course, they're also having to deal with their five star their five star states, their five star recruits, excuse me, going to different states as well: Florida, Georgia, Louisiana. Okay. Even some of the Southern California schools, or Pac-12 schools, for that matter, at this point, especially Oregon now, because Oregon has become nationally relevant. Nationally relevant. Now, Texas has to deal with all that, and still deal with a Big Twelve that I, I think the problem is the Big Twelve media and the, and and the campuses that te- or the media surrounding Texas and Oklahoma does a a very bad job of really respecting their conference. They want to put the conference, the Big 12 down as if, as if they were holding them back when in reality, it's it's those teams that just weren't, they, they in reality, Texas and Oklahoma were just never elite. Okay? So, but instead of just saying, okay, what do we do to get back to where we were, they threw the conference under the bus and said, well, the conference is this, the conference isn't that good. But why is it that Baylor is beating Oklahoma? Hmm. Why is it that Kansas can beat Texas? Oh. Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's because Texas and Oklahoma aren't that good. Maybe the conference itself is pretty damn good. They might not be as nationally relevant and whatever. Might not be producing a a college championship winner. Okay. Hasn't done that just yet. Okay. But outside of Ohio State, what what team can the Big Ten claim? Oh, okay. For what it's worth, I'm a back, I'm a Pac-12 backer, and we have no one. We had Oregon in the rankings until this weekend, and that went, you know, bust. So come on now. I mean, it's pretty much just Alabama, okay. And we can say SEC, but Alabama, okay. <laughs> this is not 2010. This is not 2013. It's not 20, 2008. And Urban Meyer's not at Florida. I mean, he's he's back in Florida, but with a different team. Okay, let's keep it real here. It's just Bama right now. And you had the Clemson moment, and for what it's worth, Clemson could be sneaking their way back into the top 25 as we speak with a quiet 8-3 and three record and a win against uh, Wake Forest, a big win this weekend themselves against Wake Forest because in the top who was in the top 10. So Texas isn't doing that right now. Who, who does Texas have to blame? See, they had nobody else to throw under the bus, and when they go to the SEC, they're going to get exposed even more and get ran through. Because I don't think they'll be at this point. I don't think they'll be able to necessarily out recruit the teams in that conference. But y'all, y'all go ahead and do it. Y'all go ahead. We gonna jump to the SEC. Us in Alabama. Okay. All right. Well, whatever whatever playoff chances that y'all thought y'all had yearly go down by fifteen percent by being in that conference. Let's just keep it real. If not twenty, 
Because we're talking about a way. I mean, it, now for what it's worth, I will say the SEC overall is a little is a bit better uh, in terms of you know just overall talent. Now we have it's a little bit top heavy, so I, I don't see Oklahoma or Texas beating Bama. Or, or or Georgia on a consistent basis. You might catch Florida. You might catch Texas A and M. Whatever. Texas A and M is is always a top twenty five team that you know won't win, even win the conference. So what what's it worth? So you know I think Texas has issues. Uh, they need to figure it out. I don't think they fire Steve Sarkeesian immediately, but they do need to make some uh, some some changes around there. Now let's move on. Uh, the final story I wanted to get into was Dan Muller Dan Mullen. Uh, being fired down at Florida. Now, after this weekend's loss to Missouri, 23 to 24 in overtime, like I said, Florida has decided to cut ties. The team is currently five and six, and uh, needed needs just one win though to get back to a ball game. The Gators fell to two and six in conference play, however, and uh, that is the first record, uh, their first conf- their worst conference record, excuse me, since 1979. And uh, in the meantime, Greg Knox, the regular running backs coach, will take over as an interim. Now, last season, Mullen would lead the team uh, pretty much to a conference championship and another New Year's Six Bowl, their third straight. And uh, however, since then, he has gone two and nine uh, against FBS FBS teams. And uh, last week, he pretty much had an ugly win against Sanford that nobody liked. I think he they put up about fifty six points, they needed seventy points to win or something like that. Maybe I could be Lowing the score out of proportion, but it was a lot of points being scored. Too many that to score a team like Sanford, not Stanford, but Sanford, another southern small southern school, uh, put up, and it just wasn't a good. No, it was seventy fifty two. Yeah, exactly. Um, but again, you know they would upset Bama uh, in September, but again they've had uh, some problems recently uh, since then, losing four straight, pretty much like I said against FBS schools. Uh, now, overall, uh, Dan Mullen had gone 22-5, and five, uh, and all five of his losses coming from SEC opponents. So he would go, he would, he's, well, in his tenure, he, he would have gone, he had gone 11-5. and five. Actually, I believe since they lost, uh, no, 11-5. And, five. Uh, and uh, so, looking at that, okay, Florida decides we've had enough of this. Let's, let's uh, find it, find another guy, right? Now, mind you, Florida has gone through, I don't know, at least three, four coaches, maybe even more, since Urban Meyer has left, trying to find that consistency. And again, I think, you know, for Florida, they've been trying to find a way to, to I don't know what it is, you know, um, what the identity they're searching for here. But again, it's... You know, I was listening to somebody the other day, you know, to kind of talk about the opening and talk about who was, you know, potentially looking at this job. And uh, he was talking about how, you know, Florida fans wanted this team to win right away. And again, you play against Georgia. I mean, I, I understand you having these ambitions and all that, but you need to beat Georgia consistently. You need to be able to beat Bama. I don't see you guys doing that. <laughs> um, that's that's y'all problem right now. I mean, it's it's easy to say, yeah, we could we should easily be winning national championships, really, when you can't beat Alabama. 
Uh, it's not that simple, guys. I think you guys have a lot of work to do. I don't know who you guys go for in terms of a coach. Florida is completely a mystery to me because I don't even know how they want to, you know, because it's like, oh, and then there's also argument about, I also was hearing about, they also want to win a certain way. They don't want to win defensive battle. They want to blow teams out. Well, you want an offensive-minded coach to find, but don't be mad when you lose again. <laughs> lose after giving up hella points either so it's, I mean you're still not going to be undefeated you're going to have to have some type of balance and you have to have some type of uh, you have to recruit well on both sides of the ball it's the only way it's going to work look at Alabama uh, Alabama is the is the creme de la creme to kind of look at right now in terms of how to build a team in college football I, don't, I mean again I got respect for Alabama I'm not going to be an SEC conference you know, uplifter, but Alabama themselves, just on their own, is like their own freaking city-state. They're their own power, their own entity, almost. So, uh, they're beyond their conference, in my opinion. Georgia hasn't, I mean, sorry, uh, Florida isn't anywhere, anywhere near that level. So, I mean, they gotta be able to win the division, you know, the SEC East. Uh, I'm not, yeah, I, I mean, I understand they want to uplift this team and they want to put this team on some type of pedestal they are the fans but let's 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 take it back down to earth real quick your team hasn't done shit since 2008 let's be realistic you got to take steps it's like with any program you've lost you've lost a step you don't just get back you don't just automatically appear back on this the scene look at usc oh we won all these championships going back in 2005 and the minute oregon got good the minute stanford got good Washington had a couple good years, and USC can't even find them nowhere. They, the media wants to hype them up every year, only for them to fall flat on their ass and give up 60 points against their rival, crosstown rival UCLA. So let's let's stop let's stop uh stop dick riding. I know I don't want to hear that term, but yeah, let's keep it real. All right, let's move on to a couple top 25 scores, the ones that I think needs to be highlighted. Everything else, we it kind of went in the way that we would. Imagine big scores. I want to talk about again. Uh, again, it's a top four well, at the time. Uh, Michigan State was a top 10 team. Ohio State, of course, has moved up in the rankings. It's, it's of course, definitely going to with this win here. But they got the win uh, last weekend it, at home against uh, the Spartans of Michigan State 56 to 7. Of course, Ohio State jumps to 10 and 1 in their overall record. And Michigan State jumps to sorry, drops to 9 and 2 in this one. Quarterback Peyton Thorne from Michigan State will go 14 to 36 for 158 yards. He will throw a touchdown. Now, Michigan State was held to just 66 yards rushing and 224 total yards, 3.8 yards per play. So I mentioned the Ohio State offense last time we, we talked, but apparently their defense is on fire as well. Uh, but safety, Darius Snow for the Spartans would have 16 total tackles. Uh, now, moving on to Ohio State. Uh, quarterback C.J. Stroud will go 32 of 45 for 432 yards, six touchdowns. Master T would have 95 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Mayan Williams would have 58 rushing yards and a touchdown. And receiving, uh, Chris Olave will be the team's leading receiver there. Uh, seven receptions, 140 yards and two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson would have seven receptions as well for 126 yards and two touchdowns. And defensive tackles Haskell Garrett and Ty. Tyreek Williams will both get sacks. I mean, what can you say? Dominant game from Ohio State. Uh, really just went at it on both sides of the ball. 
And again, remember the question I posed to y'all in last week, or the or the or the you know my thoughts last week. I don't know if I'm willing to just automatically just give somebody a 10, 10 year contract worth ninety five million, and I haven't even seen a whole lot of them yet, especially against other good teams. So y'all go ahead, uh, Michigan State, and get that ninety five million dollars together, and hopefully you don't get blown out next year like this, right? Next two years, because Ohio State got consistently wins. This is just a. This is this is. We don't know if this is the norm yet for Michigan State nine and two. This is just this year. Ohio State can con- continuously do this. So they can t- continuously recruit and you know have the best game plan every week. You know they consistently beat motherfuckers. Y'all go ahead. Ten years, ninety-five million. Hey, all right. Now let's move on to my squad. Now I'm gonna talk shit. I talk shit, so I'm an equal opportunity shit talker. So if you feel some type of way, well, maybe you didn't or haven't been listening to my my Oregon Duck or Oakland or sorry Vegas Raiders commentary. So anyways, the Ducks get their ass beat this weekend as well, uh, thirty-eight to seven. But Yes, uh, to Utah, unranked Utah. Oh, no, no, Utah was number twenty-three, no less. Uh, Utah moves to eight and three. Ducks, Ducks drop to nine and two. Of course, they can kiss the playoffs goodbye, right? Now, no excuses. I went into this one saying we need to be careful. Utah scores around thirty-eight points a game, and they scored around their average, and we didn't score shit. So again. I missed out on the defense on this squad as well. I didn't even know Utah played really great defense like this. But for the Ducks, Anthony Brown, 17-35, 231 yards and a touchdown. Only 63 yards on the ground. Uh, Robert Siebert, Devin Williams, five receptions, 81 yards for a touchdown. And linebacker Noah Sewell would have 10 total tackles in a sack. Let me just get this off my chest. Oregon needs to stop going after graduate transfers. Let's just build up the quarterbacks from the get-go. Um, again, we've had so much success with that, whether it be, um, sorry, even just for us, for our program, Darren Thomas, whether it be, you know, Jeremiah Masoli, you uh, you also got Marcus Mariota, again Justin Herbert, all guys that we recruited, all guys that we developed and go went ahead and just started. Graduate transfers, I haven't seen where it worked. Looked at Vernon Adams. Look at remember Vernon Adams, same type of situation. Just came up short in big games. Supposed to be this highly touted guy for whatever school he came from. Bottom line is he kind of wasn't. He just played in a different kind of atmosphere in terms of you know level of play. And it looked good, but in reality, it did not translate to the FBS, Anthony, or this particular team. Anthony Brown, same thing. I'm not, he's unaspiring quarterback play. No real turnovers, but again, there's things that he can't do in terms of stretching the field, and it's just appalling. However, with that being said, the running game really wasn't involved in this game either. We really miss C.J. Verdell. He is the the real back in terms of getting the carries and getting the actual yards. Trav, uh, sorry, uh, die. Yeah, Travis die. Travis die is a good scorer in terms of short yardage. He does a lot of that and not to take anything away from him. Uh, but CJ Verdell is the pretty much would be the our every down back and we're missing that. So, uh, but for, uh, you know, no real excuses there. We did get our asses whooped, you know, um, Cameron rising went 10 to 18, 178 and a rushing touchdown. Uh, 
as well. Um, I don't think he had a passing touchdown. No, no passing touchdowns, but he did run for one. He did have a, a rushing touchdown. Running back Tavion, Tavion Thomas, excuse me, would have 94 yards and three rushing touchdowns. Now, this was an issue with the Ducks coming into this game, uh, being able to stop the rushing. Uh, they unfortunately weren't able to do that. Three rushing touchdowns. Tight end Brant Kuith uh, would have five receptions and 118 yards. And defensive tackle Junior uh, Tafuna would have one and a half sacks. I believe he was named the Pac-12 Defensive Lineman of the Week. And then we also got defensive end Mike uh, Tafua that gets a sack as well. So, again, Oregon got that ass whooped again. They lose out on their national championship hopes again. And this is just going to all go into my, you know, Opportunity U video that I'm doing on this team. This team has had so many opportunities, so many different years, and it just falls flat. So, we'll just get ready for next year, and I'm going to move on to the NFL. Now, let's start off with some scores from Week 11. Uh, again, we're not going to go through everything, but first things first, the Ravens will get it done against the Bears. 16-13 to with the final score. The Ravens are now 7-3. and The Bears are 3-7. and For the Ravens, Tyler Huntley will get the start, of course, with Lamar Jackson being out. 219 yards through the air, but he will throw a pick. Uh, Devontae Freeman will get a rushing touchdown. And defensively, linebacker Tyus Bowser uh, will get five total tackles and two sacks. Um, and also, Justin Houston will get a sack as well. For the Bears, Andy Dalton will go 11 to 23. Uh, fire Matt fire Nagy chants are going on all over the city of Chicago, even at the Bulls games. It's not real. 201 yards from your boy Dalton and also two touchdowns. Robert receiver Darnell Mooney will be the team's leading receiver with five catches for 121 yards and a touchdown. Marquise Goodwin will get four catches for 104 yards and a touchdown as well. Defensively, linebacker Roquan Smith will get 17 total tackles, and Robert Quinn on the defensive end will get three and a half sacks. The Packers uh, would, actually the Vikings, excuse me, will get an upset win here against the Packers. Doing enough to piss uh, your boy Aaron Rodgers off. 34-31, to 31, of course, game-winning field goal. The uh, Vikings are 5-5, five five, the Packers 8-3. A-Rod will go 23-33 in this game. 305 yards and four touchdowns. Marquez Valdez-Scantling will be the team's leading receiver with four catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Devontae Adams would have seven catches for 115 yards, two touchdowns. And defensively, Preston Smith would end up with two sacks. Uh, you know, it's crazy when Kirk Cousins outdoors A-Rod, but this is kind of technically what happened. Uh, Kirk Cousins would go 24-35, of course, 341 yards, three touchdowns, and would lead on the game, you know, the game-winning drive. Dalvin Cook would go 86 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Justin Jefferson was the team's leading receiver with eight receptions, 169 yards, and two touchdowns. Adam Thielen will show up with eight catches and 82 yards and a touchdown as well. And defensively, you will get uh, Eddie Kendricks out there with 10 total tackles. And Harrison Smith and Armand Watts will get sacks as well. Again, Kirk Cousins led the team down uh, on a, you know, one of those memorable drives. You know, uh, so much has been said about Kirk Cousins coming up short in these type of situations and not being able to win uh, primetime games. But it looks like he's doing it. I mean, at least, you know, he did it last Sunday. Just going to say that. Uh, let's move on. The Colts get a blowout upset against the Bills, 41-15. I, this one, I like blowouts, but then at the same time, when it's a good team like the Bills get blown out like this, it makes me uh, 
ask a lot of questions. Uh, but anyways, 41 to 15, like I said, was the final score. The Colts are six and five. The Bills are sorry, the Bills are six and four. So the Colts are pretty much in the thick of the playoff rates uh, with everything going on right now. Uh, but Carson Wentz will go 11 to 20 for 106 yards. Not a whole lot to say there, but he would have a touchdown. Uh, Jonathan Taylor would have 185 rushing yards for four touchdowns. He would have a receiving touchdown, all-out beast. And uh, safety George Odom would have four tackles and an interception. Uh, the Bills will force four turnovers, keep the, keep the Bills – Sorry, the Bills would give up four turnovers, uh, be held to just 91 yards in a round as well, and be held to just 91 yards in a round as well. So, rough game for the Bills uh, offensively. Uh, yeah, just no excuses though, because I like Josh Allen, but he played he played that great game, great of a game here. Uh, 21 to 35, 209 yards, two touchdowns, but two picks as well. Uh, Stephen Diggs would uh, show up with two uh, two receiving touchdowns, but not. A whole lot in terms of catches or receiving yards. So kind of a nondescript game except for those two touchdown catches. And safety, Jordan Poyer will get seven total tackles. Uh, moving on, uh, the Lions, they lose to the Bears, but really no one's a winner here because nobody gives a fuck about either team right now. Uh, the Panthers, uh, they take an L here to Washington. Cam still did good, though. Two touchdowns uh, through the air, one rushing touchdown. We got the Texans getting the best of the Titans, 22-13. We got the Niners beating up on the Jaguars. Easy win here to get them kind of in the playoff race, 30-10. We have the Dolphins getting the best of the Jets, 24-17. Uh, we also got the Eagles uh, beating, up the, beating up on the Saints, 40-29. And um, let's move on to the Raider game. Of course, we take another L here, 32-13 against the Bengals. Uh, we dropped to 5-5. Five and five. The Bengals, of course, 6-4. Let's break it down. Uh, for Joe, Joe Burrow, decent game from him. 20-29 for 148 yards. He would throw a touchdown. Joe Mixon would have 123 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Jamar Chase would have a receiving touchdown. And Tyler Boyd would be a factor somewhat. Just six catches and 49 yards. Eli Apple on the defensive end will get an interception and Sam Hubbard and Trey Henderson will both get sacks for the Bengals. Uh, for the Raiders, uh, of course, Derek Carr would do his thing. 19 to 27, I believe. 200, yeah, 217 yards. He would throw a touchdown, but of course, he would throw that pick. Uh, now, the Raiders just had 72 yards on the ground. Now, this is my issue here. I know a lot of people, and I think at some point in time, it's sometimes it's warranted. But I hear a lot of people putting a lot of blame on this offense, particularly or just specifically on Derek Carr. Now, we only had 72 total rushing yards. Josh Jacobs only had 37. Okay. Derek Carr still throws for 217 yards, which isn't, of course, isn't great. He would throw the pick, which, okay, isn't great. Wow. But if we take away the interceptions, his numbers match Joe Burrows. You can take that what you will. Offensively, Clive Waller showed up. 116 receiving yards. You also get a receiving uh, touchdown from Foster Moreau. Where is the running game? That's what I'm going to pose 
I'm not going to keep finding ways to blame Derek Carr because, again, Joe Burrow pretty much has the same numbers and wins the game. Look at the difference, though. Joe Mixon has 123 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. Now, for what it's worth, Jamar Chase had a receiving touchdown, but again, in terms of yardage and catches, he had a nondescript game. Tyler Boyd, I always want to call him Taj Boyd for some reason. Oh, because somebody, yeah, somebody uh, that used to play college football was named Taj, and I just, he played receiver too, and I just, just keep putting the two names together. But Tyler Boyd just had six catches from 49 yards, so it wasn't like the passing game was all that, was all that, you know, prominent for the Bengals either. They had a running game. Raiders don't have a running game. We, I mean, again, I, I, I hate to say it, but maybe Gruden whiffed on the running back pick as well. I mean, this has become a problem this whole season. I don't know if it's injury per se. Maybe it's offensive line problems. But there's no running game here. There's no running. Let's not lie. Let's not lie to the people anymore. Let's not. Uh, let's not try. Let's let's stop from deceiving people. Can we? Can we stop deceiving the people? Raiders have no running game. Raiders have no no uh, balance at all offensively. This offense is well. As soon as the running game doesn't work, let's just try to get Derek Carr to throw. And what does that do? Since Derek Carr messes up, oh, it's Derek Carr's fault. He did it. It's his fault. Well, the offense is predicated through him anyway. And then he can't really necessarily throw the ball down the field, so he has to check down. So, again, you need a running game. Josh Jacobs can't run the ball like that. Sorry. Kenyon Drake didn't work. Now, I will tell you this. He can catch some passes, and he can do that, but you still need an every down back. And I hate to say it, but I don't think Josh Jacobs is the one. I, I'm this bold. Why not? Why not maybe look for one in a draft coming up? Or we can call up Le'Veon Bell. I'm just saying. But we ain't got no running game. And Josh Jacobs is not really helping that. I'm sorry, Raider fans. I know. Come at me in the comments or come at me wherever, bro. I'm ready. Because I'm watching this team as well. And we ain't got no running game. And it's sickening. And it's ugly to watch. I don't like watching a team that just passes the ball like that. It's it's to big it's predictable. And that's that's part of the reason why we're losing. Sorry. Moving on, we got the Car the Chiefs, excuse me, getting the best of the Cowboys 19 to 9. The Chiefs are 7 and 4, the Cowboys are 7 and 3. For the Cowboys, Dak will go 28 of 43, 216 yards, two interceptions. Only 82 yards on the ground. The Cowboys would only get 4.3 yards per play. So it looks like the Chiefs defense is stepping up to an extent. They always give them hell about them sucking. But looks like yesterday or Sunday, they played pretty good. Tight end Dalton Schultz will be the Cowboys leading receiver with six catches and 53 yards. And safety J. Ron Curse would have five total catches, sorry, five total tackles and an interception. For the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes will go 23 of 37 for 260 yards. He would have an INT. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire would have 63 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Travis Kelsey will get a rushing touchdown as well. Go figure. Javarius Ward and Algeria Snee will both get interceptions, and Chandler Jones will get three and a half sacks. Bad day for the Cowboys offensively. Good day for the Chiefs defensively, but they even play a little bit sloppy offensively. Chiefs have a defense, maybe, 
Who knows? Who knew? By week 11, they finally would play defense in 2021. Who knows? We might. We'll have to see how the season goes. Because if they can able, if they able to hold on to the leads like this, and Patrick Mahomes ain't really playing that good, that's a problem for the rest of the league. I'm just gonna say it. The Cardinals beat the Seahawks 20 to 13, and we have the Steelers taking another L here to the Chargers 37 to 41. Let's move on to Monday Night Football, where of course the Buccaneers they pretty much blow out the Giants 30 to 13 was the final score. The Buccaneers are seven and three. The Giants are three and seven for the Giants. Daniel Jones will go 23 of 38 for 167 yards. He would have a touchdown, but he would throw two picks. 215 total yards came from the Giants. Saquon Barkley only had 25 rushing yards. Think he's a bust too. By the way, yeah, Giants fans, y'all can't draft neither. I said it. One of nineteen on third down. Gave a three turnovers. Adore Jackson would have an interception for the defense, but that's it. Tom Brady will go thirty or forty six for three hundred and seven yards, two touchdowns and INT. Ronald Jones would have a rushing touchdown. Mike Evans would have six receptions and seventy three yards with a touchdown. Chris Godwin. Helped out my fantasy team with six catches and 65 yards and a touchdown. Oh, Tom Brady helped out somewhat, too. I think I should have started Justin Herbert, though. I ain't gonna lie to you. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's the, you know, that's the monster that I get every week. That's the pick your poison that I got every week. I got either Justin Herbert or Tom, Tom Brady, so I don't feel bad. Safety Mike Edwards would get an INT. And linebacker Anthony Nelson and Cam Gill will both get a sack. Now, uh, I'm going to call it a wrap for today on the NFL stuff, but just know down the line, I'm going to be talking some more NFL news here, more so about uh, Stan Kroenke, the Rams owner, and his beef with the NFL. They currently are in lawsuit with each other, or there's a lawsuit brewing, all type of stuff, drama. Uh, I also want to talk about uh, Taysom Hill's new contract, very unique, so I wanted to take some time to get into that as well. And the NFL has another issue too with congress so we're going to talk about all three of those things but just at a in the near future just not today all right y'all we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we're breaking down some basketball college basketball also the nba we're going to be breaking down the top 25 breaking down some scores and also the standings for the nba and of course we have some championship boxing to talk about later on in this in this uh in this episode but we'll get to that later all right, y'all. I'm gonna take a quick break. I'll be right back. Rolling up another whistle, listening to the beat again. Drinking, but we're concentrating. Smoke another sweet again. Steadily rewinding, trying to make some hot shit. Oh, what a job this is! Another all nighter, trying to get it done. Barely making home with the morning sun. Baby mother thinking that you're on some other shit. Oh, what a job this is! Drinking, yet I'm thinking of another rhyme. Smoking, hoping that some bad news will come some other time. Cause I'm trying to do what I love. I love what I do. This music is something more different than the weed and the brew. That's why we mashing. We ain't asking for nothing. We working for it. Push it, peddle it to the people. They can't ignore it. This is for all the independents. A few major labels. The big studios who still give niggas favors on the mix. All right, y'all. We are back. Let's break down the NBA for a little bit. And uh, the biggest news so far, I mean, at least that I've been able to get into so far the past few days is, of course, Luke Walton being fired by the Kings. This comes as no surprise, really. 
he's been struggling since he's got since he's gotten there. Uh, the Kings are well, he he was well, they were excuse me six and eleven at the time of his firing, and uh, looks like Alvin Gentry, the assistant coach, looks like he does this a lot. Uh, so far, this is how he becomes a head coach is through interim. So we'll see what happens. Uh, currently, they are between 12th and 13th, I think, in the Western Conference. Walton will go 68 and 93 in just over a little bit over two seasons with the team. And the Kings are currently one of the first, the worst teams, excuse me, defensively. Uh, they are 26, 26th in the NBA in defensive efficiency and also uh, defensive rebounding percentage. They're also 29th in points allowed in the paint. So it's a struggle for this team. And overall, you know, again, this team hasn't really seen any type of success in terms of even making it to, pl making it to the playoffs. This team hasn't made it to the playoffs since 2006. So, again, I wasn't too surprised by them letting Luke Walton go. I'm not 100% why they brought him in. I never thought he was head coach material. I mean, I guess he gets a lot of love because of his pops. I don't know, Bill Walton, but I never thought he was a good coach. I thought he was an overrated assistant. Um, he just happened to be, you know, he just happened to show up for those Lakers, Laker teams that won championships. That's kind of how I felt, I felt about him. Um, I don't know what they any team saw in him as a head coach, Lakers or Kings. Uh, this might be pretty much his last thing. As for Alvin Gentry, um, I don't know what the Kings' direction is going into, you know, I guess making this um, this hire, well, this next hire. Uh, I think there are some incentives in that they are working out with uh, Gentry's contract that allows them to pretty much sign him if they have a decent enough uh, rest of the season. Um, I think that's how they would work it out. Uh, if not, of course, they would go look for somebody else. Uh, Alvin Gentry, I mean, I mean, he's had certain successes as an interim head coach, as an outright head coach. Uh, I think he, I mean, the thing about it is he does start off kind of hot. Um, he does seem to have what it takes to kind of take over when there's a situation like this. Uh, but it's the prolonged success that I think gets him in trouble. After the fifth or sixth year, it's like, ah, eh, you know, we're not where we would like to be. Uh, I think we've had that situation go down with the Pelicans with him. I think he was an interim coach for the Warriors for a while. Uh, this is a long time back. So, uh, particularly in the Western Conference, he is like the go-to for an interim coach. So, I think Sacramento should find its way. Uh, but I don't know if if they really want to go with him in the long term, per se. But um, I think he'll help them right the ship and get them right for the next coach. Um, I, there's just so much dysfunction going on in Sacramento. I wouldn't know where they would go. I don't know. I wouldn't know what direction they would go in, to be honest. But um, they're going to have to make some type of decisions because, again, this team hasn't made the playoffs since 2006. I was a freaking sophomore in high school. That's ridiculous. I mean, you know, for a professional sports franchise, I mean, come on now. Like, we can sit there and talk about small markets all you want to, but, you know, for what it's worth, Milwaukee just won an NBA title, and they play in a pretty small market. So, all on the East Coast. And we, you know, Sacramento plays in California. So, you know, it, it got to it gotta make sense. And, you know, they've been putting out a product that hasn't been that good for many years. They've been bad. For many years, they haven't drafted well. They haven't had the right people in the front office. They seem to not know shit about basketball. Ownership for a long time didn't know shit about basketball. I don't think they, if they know anything right now. I mean, the core they have right now, I think, is really solid, actually. I think it's really underrated. You have Buddy Hill and, and De'Aaron Fox. But they just, 
I don't know, you know, what it is. Like, they just don't get the right coaching. They don't get something is wrong with that franchise. And I don't know. I'm not going to blame it on the city. I think they've had success there beforehand. But it's just, you know, it's very important who your owner is. It's very important about, uh, you know, really who your GMs are, who's making those actual sports decisions. Are they sports people? Do they know what this is about? Are they just making moves for profit? I think for many years, the Sacramento franchise has just been making moves to just kind of just keep people coming and buying tickets and going to the games and buying concession stand food and all that type of bullshit and not really giving them a proper team to to, to really root for and keep going to the stadium for. Uh, I think I think it's really asinine to think or really just, I don't know, I don't know why, to, it's a, it's a, it's really flabbergasting, that's not, I'll take that word for right now, it's flabbergasting to me that people don't understand the concept of popularity or, you know, prestige brings, uh, you know, brings in popularity, the better your team in the, is, the more likely your team is going, you know, to want to be watched, why would people want to watch Sacramento basketball, they would have to be good, in this, in this, uh, in this state where you have to deal with the Clippers, that have gotten good, you have to deal with the Warriors, and also the Lakers, come on now, I mean, you would have, you have to be the best team out there in order to really be popping like that, so to just keep putting out garbage, expecting this to make ends meet, just to keep the stadium open, that's retarded, you should go for bigger and better, I know in the last segment I talked about teams, you know, kind of tapering expectations but now i'm almost taking a, a step forward here almost a, a 180 when it comes to th these type of franchises and saying look you need to really actually be doing something to make your team better um whatever it takes in your situation it's not like you know you're strapped with you know one it's not like it's college basketball where you're strapped with talent one year they're here the next year they're gone no you're you know you're getting guys to contracts you're getting you know well you should be getting solid coaching staffs together i, I don't know i mean sacramento has really no excuses uh at this point it's just been too long i'm sorry it's been too and i respect the franchise i was a fan of the team back in the day um chris weber and page and all those guys but you know it's been it's been a disgrace ever since but let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about LeBron. I know you guys are not going to like this take, but let's just, well, you might not like this take. Uh, but during the third quarter of Sunday's game, LeBron uh, would hit forward Isaiah, uh, Detroit forward Isaiah Stewart with an elbow. I thought it was blatant. I know people are going to say, oh, he was just trying to box his man out. I think he was trying to fill his man out. And when he was able to catch what he thought he could catch him, he threw some little slick ass shit. And um, I think Stewart reacted to the blood and was like, oh, man, you really try to punk me. Which, And I feel like he did. LeBron did. And I'm a fan of LeBron. You know what I'm saying? But I don't mean I have to ride his dick every, you know, I don't have to ride his dick at all, really. So just because I'm a fan don't mean I'm a dick rider. So I'm going to call it out as I see it. And I feel like, you know, bruh hit him with a sucker move. You know, LeBron was a sucker for that. You know, I don't know what he's going through. I guess he's mad because the team, you know, shouldn't be that cl The score shouldn't be that close with a team like Detroit. But then y'all turn around and lose to the Knicks, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, you know, again, like, y'all not that raw. Like, so you over here getting frustrated, you know. You in the you in the moment, and you try some sucker-ass shit, and, you know, dude, step to you. And you didn't really want to see because you had everybody, you know, jump in front of you, you know, like they, yo, 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 you know. Yo, cheerleaders, oh, don't hit LeBron, don't hit LeBron, you know, LeBron was a sucker for that, bro, that's, 
you know, I know what he did. You ain't even got to go there with people. You ain't even got to hit people like that. You know what I'm saying? This ain't even street. Now, if it was street ball, by all means, like, you know, there's just, you got to already know, like, when you play basketball at the park, you play any type of sport at the park, it's going to be that, that the, just a couple of dudes that's going to want to take it there and want to be all like they, they, oh, I'm tough, and so I'm going to do these little crooked-ass plays, dirty-ass plays. I'm going to hit you and be dirty. But we not out there like that. We in the NBA. LeBron was a sucker. Bro wasn't even looking. He just hit him with a weak-ass elbow, hit him upside the head, and bro got mad at him. And then, uh, Eric, like I said, his little defense team, don't hit LeBron. Don't touch our boy. Don't touch our... That's our meal ticket. Don't fuck him up. That's our meal ticket. If he get injured, he can't play. We suck. <laughs> I'm just saying. Anyway, the Lakers will go on to win the game 121 to 116. Insult to injury, I guess. You know. Uh, but Detroit, you know, they just got a lot of problems. So I don't know. I mean, they... I think they have some talent there, but again, maybe it's the coaching. I mean, you're hearing, you know, rumors about, you know, Dwayne Casey, their head coach, possibly being on the, the hot seat. So, you know, maybe it's coaching, you know, but again, you know, front office has a lot to do with it as well, the GM, so on and so forth. So if that has to, if the, if the head coach has to go, they probably all going to have to go, in my opinion. Uh, but again, this is just a second injection in, in LeBron's career. He's not the type of person to go, I guess, get down like that. But I guess he wanted to make a statement, just like he made that weak-ass statement when he was awkwardly trying to walk over Draymond like he really did some shit to him. You know, there's some shit, some passive-aggressive shit that LeBron do sometimes that get under my my skin, and it's like, nigga, you, you a mark for that. You know what I'm saying? Just be a man. You know, just shrug it off and beat the team, you know. He, and I know what he's probably going to – I know – I don't even need to hear nobody's really perspective because all I saw was the clip of what happened. And mind you – I'm watching it on YouTube, so I got other things going on, you know, music and all that. So all I'm really watching is LeBron hit cuz, and, you know, dude, Stewart react, and he, you know, getting mad. Here come, Lake, like I said, the Lakers treat like, don't get our daddy, that his son's out there, you know what I'm saying? Like his son's, don't get our daddy, don't hit our daddy, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> got Russ like, oh, I'm about to switch. It ain't about you. It should have just been LeBron and Stewart squaring them up. All the rest of y'all, y'all just in it just to be getting a photo op. Y'all fake, okay? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. And Russ looks so square. You wasn't ready to fight. You just. You just there for the pose. You just did that for somebody to take a picture and say all that shit about you. That's just for legend. It ain't for real. Go on somewhere, short motherfuckers. Come on now. I'm tired of y'all. I like y'all hard out here. It's just basketball. Y'all taking it too seriously. First of all, this game hella early. We know goddamn well the Pistons ain't going nowhere. For you to feel the need, oh, I just got to do some extra. Let me just elbow some 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 big man from the Pistons. Oh, I'm real hard. Get your soft ass out of here, LeBron. All the flopping you do. Oh, my leg. Oh, they bumped me out of my leg. Now you are throwing elbow. Shut up. <laughs> I'm tired of you. You had all your boys in front of you. You ain't go. You ain't go to hit to see Isaiah direct now, did you? Now, punk. That's what I'm saying. I don't want to hear all that. What y'all got to say? Anyways, LeBron was suspended for a game. Uh, Stewart got suspended for two games. Why? Wow, I don't know. LeBron was the one that did the sucker shit, hitting him with the goddamn elbow. That's more dangerous shit. Let that dude bleeding. Ozzy got a cut on him. 
Ron did some mark ass shit. I'm sorry. I, I, y'all can say what you want about the man, but anyway, anyway, let's get to the scores. Let's wrap tonight's segment that we also going to get into the standings as well. But uh, if we look at the store, scores from tonight, excuse me, uh, we got um, the Heat uh, getting it done against the Pistons, 100 to 92. Um, 12 to 6 is the Heat's current record. The Pistons, of course, like I said, you know, just been struggling. Uh, they go to 4 and I believe 4 and 13. It's been a struggle. That's all I'm going to say. For the Heat, they were led by Tyler Hero. Coming off the bench, he would have 31 points. He would also get 3 assists and 8 rebounds. Junior Butler and Bam Adebayo would both get 15 points. Uh, actually, they would have this, the, the exact same stat line. I might I might just for the fuck of it when I'm done with this just go somewhere else to kind of double check that because that's hella strange. But um, what I'm getting is uh, they both like I said both had the same stat sheet here: five assists, nine rebounds. Crazy! I I never seen that happen before again. I guess it's a first for everything. Maybe your OG might have seen that a couple of times. One of them OG nerds. I saw this in 1984. Uh, uh. Hakeem Olajuwon and and I think it was uh, uh, Rambis, uh yeah, uh, 15, uh, sorry, 16 points, uh, 4 rebounds, something like that. I'm telling you, some nerds gonna come out the box on me. And I just, you know, that's just how it go. But for the Pistons, Jeremy Grant would have 21 points. He would get 3 assists and 7 rebounds. Uh, for Sadiq Bey would get 15 points and 5 rebounds. And I honestly, like I said, I honestly think this team does have some talent. They're quite young, just being the Pistons now. They're quite young, but I, I, I think they're solid. It's just unfortunate that, again, I don't know if it's just directly coaching and them, or them just being young. Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe Dwayne just isn't the voice for this team, uh, in, you know, in particular because, you know, there's so many young guys here. Maybe he doesn't work with younger players, but there's a lot of young, youthful talent here. Uh, they're not winning a lot of games, though, because I don't. I just don't think they have, you know, the the – I don't know what it, I don't want to say the smarts or the, just the the, ex, the experience to get it done, the EXP to get it done in certain cases. So I think that's one of those cases because, you know, 192, that's a pretty close score, particularly for a team with only four wins, right? You know, so, you know, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt um, and say, look, they have an opportunity later on, but again, they, they gotta, they gotta get the ball rolling, rolling, um, you know, it's just unfortunate that, you know, they just don't seem to be getting it done. But I, like I said, I, I'm seeing some good things. Jeremy Grant, I mean, he's a 20-point scorer. He's, you know, going on that almost 25-point-per-game hype. you got Sadiq Bey. I think he's in his second year now. He's scoring double digits. You've got you've got pieces there. Uh, Luca Garza, um, you know, he had seven points, seven rebounds. He's a rookie uh, trying to do his thing here as well. So you got pieces. It's just it's not all there yet. Uh, but moving on, uh, we have some Western Conference action. We got the uh, sorry the Mavericks getting it done against the Clippers, one twelve to one hundred four in overtime. We also got the Lakers beating the Knicks one. Sorry, the Knicks beating the Lakers. Excuse me, one hundred nine to one hundred. The Knicks are now ten and eight. The Lakers moved to nine and ten, and of course they're no longer in the, the standings in the Western Conference. Realistically, 
you know, in the top eight uh, where it matters. But uh, let's break down this uh, game right here. Russell Westbrook would have a triple-double. Maybe that's why they lost. They don't seem to be at all that. None of his teams seem to be all that successful when he goes for the triple-double overall in terms of winning and shit. He might look good in the stat book, but they don't always, they don't really get wins. But anyway, I digress. I digress. 31 points, 10 assists, 13 rebounds. AD will get 20 points, 3 assists, and also 6 rebounds. Of course, LeBron was out, uh, so you will get 15 points from Avery Bradley. He'd also give you 9 rebounds. I believe you had a couple more players with double digits uh, in terms of scoring for the Lakers. Um, for the Knicks, you had Evan Fournier. He was a leading scorer. He would have 20, well, for the Knicks at least, uh, he would have 26 points, 2 assists, and 4 rebounds. Julius Randle will put up 20 points, 5 assists, and also 16 rebounds. Emmanuel quickly will come off the bench with 14 points, 3 assists, and 3 rebounds. And you had 3 other players for the Knicks uh, that I know of scoring in double uh, digits, including R.J. Barrett. He would have 12, matter of fact. The other three would have 12 points exact as well. And finally, uh, the Blazers get it done by 19 against the Nuggets. Like I said, 119-100 uh, was that final score. Blazers are at 10-8, and eight, and the Nuggets are at 500 at 9-9. Nine and nine. For the Nuggets, they were led by Jeff Green, 24, 24 points from him. 24 points from him, excuse me, three assists and four rebounds. Monty Moore would have 16 points and two rebounds, and as well as two assists. And then for the Blazers, CJ McCollum will put up 32 points, three assists, and three rebounds. Norman Powell will get you 15 points, three assists, and two rebounds. And Dame will get you 25 points, five assists, and three rebounds. Let's take a look at the standings before I let y'all go. Uh, as far as uh, what's going on back east, we got the Nets on top three, uh, 13 and 15, 8 and 2 in the last 10. They're on a three-game winning streak. Uh, KD is just doing phenomenal things offensively, leading his, th leading his team. Uh, he's averaging about 22 points per game. Uh, let me see if I can track those notes down real quick. But I know he has about 22 points per game. Yeah, sorry, no. Take that back, 28 points, 28 and a half points per game on 55% shooting. Um, let's see, 41% from three. He's 41% uh, from three. He's also averaging over seven assists, uh, and he's getting you, what, five? Uh, sorry, he's averaging over seven rebounds and over, five, and over five assists. So, you know, the team to beat back east, at least right now, is the Nets. And uh, it looks like KD is becoming a monster. Too bad Brook, the city of New York, has some stupid-ass COVID rules, so one of their best players can't play. They be killing the league, but they got some stupid-ass COVID restrictions, COVID-ass mandate, and you can't even... Man, Brooklyn fans should be enjoying this. Man, whatever. I'm just... That's all I'm going to say. I, you, already, you know how I feel. I'm not just going to keep... But, you know, bash. I just think that that's not right. Um, that's all I'm going to say. The Heat are the second place team in the East, 12 and 6, a game back from the, from the, uh, sorry, from the conference leader. Uh, they're also 6 and 4 in the last 10. Behind them, we have the Bulls here at, tw at two, sorry, 12 and 6, 6 and 4 in the last 10. And, uh, we have the, the Heat here. Um, they are in the fourth place. Sorry, I said the Heat. Let me take that back. 
We have the Wizards here at 11 and 6. We have the Hornets here at 11 and 8 in the fifth place spot. In the sixth place spot, we have the Knicks here at 10 and 8. We also have the Bucks at the seventh place spot. You know, four game winning streak, but overall they're just 10 and 8. I thought it, I, you know, I just want to be honest. I thought that was a little bit of a step back from where they were last year. I was expecting them to be more near the top of the standings, but again, this is what you get. Uh, like I said, four wins in a row. They are 22nd in field goal percentage at 43%. Uh, they are ninth in three point at three points, uh, three point percentage at 35%. This is funny because this was a team that was always kind of bagged for having Giannis, who's primarily a, you know a paint scorer, you know, and you know. You know, being that type of team and not being able to stretch it out as much as possible, you know, at least as much as where everybody's at now. But now they're a top 10 team in three point percentage. Like they just turn around and say, fuck it, well, we'll just shoot the three more, like more than we ever have. I think it's funny. I think it's weird. But the thing about it is they are ninth in turnovers. So they turn over the ball a lot. I think that's part of their issues as well. Um, Moving on, we have the Celtics here at the eighth place spot, ten and eight, uh, three games back from the leader. So everything is pretty close in the Eastern Conference. Um, for the Celtics, they are seven and three in the last ten. Like I said, three wins in a row. They are thirteenth in scoring with over a hundred and eight points per game. They are also eighth in the league in, uh, in rebounding. And let's move on to the West, where we have the Warriors. The Warriors are first, of course. First in scoring, first in points allowed. What can you say? They're just dominant. Nine and one of the last ten. Four game winning streak for them. But then we look at the Suns, just a game back, thirteen game winning streak. Wow. Um I'm not surprised about the Suns. I am surprised about the thirteen game winning streak, but like I said, I'm not so surprised about them being second in the conference. They're just pretty damn good. Uh, behind them, we have the Jazz. They are 11 and 6. We have the Mavericks here at 10 and 7. The Clippers are riding a four-game winning streak that puts them in fifth in the conference at 10 and 8. We also have the Blazers here. They've been able to kind of get right lately. They had a pretty solid weekend where they got a couple victories, and of course they got the win tonight, so that puts them at 10 and 8. Like I said, and uh, the Grizzlies are 9 and 8, six games back. So. You do see some uh, some distance in the West right now. The Warriors and the Suns seem to be, you know, trying to lap these guys as opposed to back East where, again, things are a little bit closer. I like that. I like, I don't know, I like, you know, how things are closer. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, um, but with, the, with that being said, the Warriors are going to so dominate. Guess who started to come back to practice? Clay Thompson. So they're going to look even more vicious. So, again, Brooke, Brooklyn, New York. Sorry, y'all did y'all team dirty because when the Warriors get Klay Thompson back, is it going to be that fair? They're already looking this good, and y'all can't even get Kyrie because y'all stupid, stupid-ass rule. I'm going to stop. I'm, I, like I said, I said I was going to stop. I'm sorry, but I just I don't get it. Just don't get it. The Nuggets are 99, six and a half games back. And, uh, yeah, that's the wrap. That's the wrap-up. Oh, oh no, no. Before I let y'all go, I needed to talk about my final thoughts on uh, Terrence Crawford and Sean Porter. Of course, WBO, WBO, uh, welterweight championship. This was pretty much uh, Crawford's first real challenge at the division. Really solid fight, by the way. It started off really good uh, with, with Porter. 
and Crawford exchanging some pretty quick and fast uh, flurries. Almost felt like uh, Kid Gohan where Piccolo was like, bro, you just got to just calm down. I, I was like, I can't see nobody. I can't see nobody. He's like, no, you got to calm down and really watch, bro. You can really see what they're doing. And it's like uh, you could kind of like once you kind of once it kind of slowed down just a second, just a, just a second, you can kind of see what they was doing. Uh, but there was a lot of offense. Um, I thought uh, Crawford had a pretty decent strategy, although I feel like uh, Porter would end up tiring himself out a lot, throwing a lot of different punches, but not necessarily landing. Um, I know, I know the the casual fan loves offense. I know they love people throwing a lot of shots, uh, but at the same time, you gotta hit your opponent. You have to really, you know, be effective. And I think after round four or five, you started to see Porter slip a little bit more, and um, it ended up to him. It ended up with him being popped a lot more as the fight went on, leading to the tenth round TKO. And I know he was mad about his dad stopping the fight, but at that point, I mean, you could have stayed up and you could have probably tried to weather the storm, but I personally think he probably would have still knocked him out regardless. Uh, I don't think there was a way that that fight could have went and made it at that point, made it to 12 rounds. Porter was going to go out either way. So I think his dad did the right thing. Uh, but Terrence Crawford, for what it's worth, he did look good in that fight. I don't think he looked perfect. Uh, I'm not saying he's just going to just get in there and trounce Spence, Errol Spence Jr., but at all, but he did look really good, and this was his first kind of major matchup with somebody in that weight class, like I said again, in that 147 weight class, um, if if Errol Spence is available, then I think that's going to be the next big match uh, that you're going to see, um, but I wouldn't mind seeing him go up against somebody like Andy Garcia to kind of really see where he's at before he gets there in there with Spence, I feel like Andy Garcia would be a good tune-up for him. I think Andy Garcia could, could be beat, but at the same time could probably pose a different challenge that he might not be used to. Uh, meaning somebody who can kind of box and move just a little bit better, uh, who's going to utilize that jab a little bit more and not so uh, not so much press the action, uh, but kind of but kind of faint and try to lead him and set him up as well. I'd like to see what happens if he gets in the ring with somebody like that. I do think Spence has that as well, but you know, just in case that fight doesn't happen right away. But with that being said, uh, Crawford is up there. He's 34 years old, so it's almost like, you know, how many more years do you got? You know, but again, they they say age is nothing but a number. Bernard Hawkins has proven that. But I mean, with that, I mean, again, I fire back with how long do you need to do it? If you made the money, if you've gotten the belts, if you've beaten, you know, a good amount of people anyway, you know, what else needs to be done? So. Um, we might get to that point as well. But like I said, uh, it was a good fight. I think both fighters made a good account of themselves. Um, Sean Porter, although he did come up short, uh, like I said, he made that fight very entertaining and actually very close in the first couple of rounds. Uh, if you look at the the final uh, the final sorry scorecards, uh, that those first couple of rounds went back and forth, and you know it, it was close for a minute. And it took, you know, just Crawford really just having his good stamina and just kind of weathering all the different storms that Porter would bring and, you know, being able to finally catch him again down there in the sixth round. So, I mean, sorry, in the tenth round. So, 
it's a good fight, uh, good, good performance by Crawford. Um, he's definitely going to be one of the main attractions. I, 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 I think that's the ticket now. I think now they're going to want to definitely see him uh, face Errol Spence, particularly now because he's not being dominated by Bob Arum. Bob Arum was pretty much uh, the, the catalyst as to why that fight with Spence was not, you know, really picking up steam as much as uh, both sides wanted to. For some reason, he has a very conservative mindset with his fighters where he doesn't really want to necessarily, quote-unquote, expose them or put them in any real harm because, again, uh, they're generally successful. They're going to bring in consistent, you know, cash flow for him, you know, consistent ratings or whatever. And, you know, with that L particular, you know, that L could potentially kill that. And, you know, he, he wants consistent and, you know, known stars that, you know, whatever. So, you know, when when people say, oh, well, Floyd, you know, he chose his opponents. He cherry picked this. He cherry picked that. I will always keep firing back with, again, that's what Bob Arams of the Bob Arams of the world do. That's what the, you know, the Al Haymans of the world do. Even Oscar De La Hoya, when he's, you know, running his fighters, that's what they're, they're choosing them for them. So it's either I'm going to, the fighter chooses them or the management chooses them, but they're all choosing them pretty much for the same reason. So let's not get tit for tat over who's choosing what and all that, because they're all, all these fights are being chosen and agreed upon and set up, you know, set up by, you know, people. So what what is the argument here there really is none when it comes to that um but like i said for aram he just likes to be very conservative with his fighters and he's not going to try to ex quote like i said expose them quote unquote because i don't think that you know that would really happen and again i mean it, there's a potential but again had mayweather been given the opportunity to fight you know well he was eventually able to fight de la hoya and he won um, so that goes to show you that, you know, if Aaron would have just opened up a little bit, would have made some big dividends for him in the long run, but he wanted to be cheap and he, you know, wanted to play scary and, and conservative and didn't want to, you know, I, you know, I guess put his fighter up to that type of challenge. He missed out and flame it, uh, sorry, Mayweather broke camp and, uh, he got out of there and he, you know, it changed his career. And that's what you're starting to see with Bud. Uh, he had a really good fight. We'll see what happens in terms of the numbers and, you know, pay-per-view. I don't think that's all. I, none of that's really important to me. Uh, but this is the quality of fight that I'm looking for. And the quality of that fight was really good. So we'll have to see what he can do now that he's on his own terms. And it's always good to see a brother or just a man in general in terms of taking his career to the next level and doing it on his own terms my way, just like. Frank Sinatra would say. I think that's, and not even just breaking it down, taking away from that, not even just a man, but a human being. When a human being can just take control of their own stat and their own life and their own status and their own destiny, that's what this whole point is. So, um, good luck for Terrence Crawford. Again, setting up, you know, probably the biggest, one of his biggest fights so far in his career on his own and trying to really take that next step. Big ups to him as well. So, now I'm finally going to let you go. Um, in terms of uh, what we got going on on the podcast, uh, like I said, we had some some more NFL to t stuff to talk about. Of course, Taysom Hill's contract, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we will be getting back into some college basketball. 
we do have some rival, more rivalry games to talk about for college football, so we will be getting into that. Um, as far as YouTube is concerned, of course, we have a couple uh, segments that I wanted to finish up. Uh, Afghanistan, for one. Uh, we are working on, I am, uh, after that is over, I will be working on my Floyd Mayweather project. Of course, we had the college football project with the University of Oregon. I did mention that earlier. So a lot of stuff going on. I do have a couple days off because of the Thanksgiving weekend. Let's see what we can get through. I'll be definitely working hard during it. I'm not the type to really celebrate this holiday. I'm not for it. So to me, it's just like a day off from my regular job. Now I can work on this. So, um. That's what I'll be on. If you're looking to get, if you're looking to get in touch with me, of course, I'll be leaving the link for the Instagram available for you. Uh, more social media will be on the way. I told you about my drama with Facebook. Fuck them. Um, but uh, you'll be hearing from me soon. All right, y'all. If anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out. One love, and I'll highlight y'all later.